my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey friends, welcome to episode 353 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. And if you are a wrestling fan and why would you be listening to this unless you were? It has been an amazing weekend uh, for the world of professional wrestling. My guest co-host this week is Chad Smart. He'll be joining in just a couple of minutes, but I wanted to kind of set the table. And as we're talking about these comebacks, I do want to mention that uh, there was one comeback that you probably aren't going to hear anywhere else, but right here on the My One Two Three Cents podcast, and that was Curly. Curly, uh, an independent wrestler, uh, very popular here in Southern Illinois, has had some major health issues, including uh, heart trouble at one point, and I, I do think he is still going to be a candidate one day for a heart transplant. However, he is doing much better and actually stepped back into the ring uh, Saturday night over the weekend, made his comeback, beat Jay Spade, another staple here in Southern Illinois wrestling, and Curly will be back in action on Thursday, September 2nd, at Rent One Park, myself and Tyler E. Hatton will be teaming up with Curly against the new Stride Pro Wrestling Tag Team Champions, beautiful Brian Richards, AJ Kellis, and their tag team partner, David Lee Walker. So you can get your tickets by going to the Miners box office. Other big matches are gonna be announced very, very soon. I don't wanna spoil any of those surprises that are gonna be coming up uh, in the coming weeks on the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page. I also wanna remind you and encourage you to not only subscribe to this podcast, but also leave a review. Take a screenshot of that review, send it to me on social media, and you could win uh, a prize out of the My One Two Three Cents Prize Vault. And Chad Smart, instrumental in providing some of those prizes in the prize vault. So we'll talk to him on the other side of this. We'll be back right after this. If you've dreamed of becoming a professional wrestler, it's time to make that dream a reality. The Stride Pro Wrestling Training Academy is now enrolling new students. Classes meet on Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. for just $60 per month. Be sure to check out the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page at facebook.com slash stridepro-wrestling and get enrolled now. Hey friends, as promised, Chad Smart is joining me once again. And uh, Chad, uh, full disclosure, I, I had thought about this. I, typically on this podcast, I don't talk a lot about current events, partly because I don't keep up with the current product as well as I should. I mean, obviously I know what's going on. I know the movers and shakers, but also I feel like if you're watching professional wrestling now, you don't need to hear my analysis or someone else's opinion or a recap of Raw or a recap of Dynamite, whatever the case may be, that a lot of podcasts seem to do. But uh, you did call me as we, uh, because my original idea, and I still want to do this, is, is talk about Ric Flair. And it, it was 30 years ago this summer that he made the jump to the WWF. 
And you and I, I want to have that conversation because we both said that Flair is our favorite of all time. So we'll do a Ric Flair episode in the very near future. But you brought up, you know, talking about everything that kind of went down over the weekend. And the weekend, as we're recording, this isn't over yet. NXT is still happening uh, as we're recording. But as fans are listening to this, uh, you know, two big events happened in SummerSlam on Saturday. And, of course, AEW uh, Rampage happening on Friday night and the return of CM Punk. And you, you kind of wanted to do a little bit of a, a, a go back and forth. And, uh, you know, I am, without a doubt, uh, a wrestling fan, first and foremost. But I do tend to lean more towards the WWE product. And you right now are, are a big AEW guy. So I wanted to kind of get your perspective and also maybe talk about a little bit of the hypocrisy in the world of professional wrestling. I think it's everywhere. You talked about it a lot on your old podcast, um, Politiclamity, you know, there is hypocrisy around every corner, I guess. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's too bad that we're not talking about Ric Flair right now because we'd have to discuss Ric Flair on a train, which seemed to be a big story last <laughs> week. Uh, no, and, and I was thinking about this too after I called you about doing this topic, and I want to keep the topic kind of evergreen, so I don't want to necessarily talk about, you know, the specific coming backs and re-debuts that happened over the last couple of days. It's more of how the two companies, WWE and AEW, how they treat returns, how they treat business, I guess, in a sense. So, so yes, we'll mention specific things, but hopefully the broader discussion will just be about the business as a whole, not a specific situation. Well, and yeah, I guess we will get a little specific here off the top. And, and let's start with Friday night. You know, there was buzz all week long that something big was going to happen on Dynamo, or I'm sorry, on, on Rampage. Tony Khan even said, you know, the most significant, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but he really sold it. And I, I think he's been burned in the past. And let's, let's make that our first talking point. Should wrestling companies like AEW, WWE tease these kinds of events? Because when the Christian Cage announcement was made, I think a lot of fans were disappointed. I think fans expected Punk then. Um, so where, where are you on the announcement of a, 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 a something that's going to change our business, change the history, change things, and, and be a significant announcement? Even WWE hyping up Orton and Edge last year as the greatest wrestling match of all time. Or we can go back 30 years to Survivor Series 91. And, you know, what's inside the egg, you know, as a major surprise? 1990. 90, okay. Um, that's why you're here to correct me on all the old <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, I think you have to be careful because, you know, I had forgotten about the Christian Cage hype. Um, but you're right. I think it, it's kind of like I, I have a joke with a friend of mine that whenever I go see Butch Walker in concert, I always joke, oh, I bet Pink's going to show up this time because she showed up at one of his concerts like 10 years ago and they're good friends. I keep expecting her to show up if she's not on tour and then she never shows up. And my friend's like, why do you keep hyping yourself up for that? You know, because what's, and, and now it's just more of a running joke than actually thinking, you know, Pink is going to show up. But when you have, especially right now, in the, well, I won't say right now, but in the landscape of when wrestlers get released and become free agents, and then if a company says, oh, we've got this big surprise, well, fans are automatically going to pick who they want to, that surprise to be. Right. And build the hype up themselves. So if it doesn't, fall into, well, this is what I wanted, even though no one told me this is what it's going to be, this is what I 
had built myself up for it and had expected and then it didn't come true. So it's a letdown, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's where any wrestling promotion has to be careful in, in not letting the fans get ahead of them. And obviously with, you know, with the Rampage situation, it's the second episode of the show. It's the biggest venue AEW had ran to date, I believe. And it was in Chicago. So, right. you know, you don't have to do Scott Steiner math to kind of figure out what was going to to happen here. And, you know, I had texted you earlier today and said, you know, how would you do it? Would you bring Punk out right from the start? Or would you set up another surprise, have it not be Punk, and then have the fans kind of like cooled expectations and then bring him out for, you know, maybe a bigger surprise? Because if they thought it wasn't going to be him, but then you run the risk of all the fans just being upset and turning on your product because we all know wrestling fans don't like waiting long-term for something. They want instant gratification. Well, I know, and and I had said to you, and I think we agreed, I, I don't remember what your response was, but I said bring him out right away because you don't want to piss people off because we live in a, a day and age now where if people don't get what they want, then they turn on you and they try to cancel you or they, you know, whatever their expectations aren't being met. Now, do you know with Rampage, I know it's only on TBS for an hour from, from in the central time zone where, where we are right now. It's uh, on from 10 to 11 p.m. I'm, I'm sorry, take that back. It's on from 9, 9 to 10. 10. Yeah, it comes on right after SmackDown. Now, I'm assuming that they do stuff leading up to Rampage. Do they record their dark program and, and do other recordings, I'm assuming? Yeah, they do one of their YouTube, because I've seen spoilers coming out for those shows, but I don't know which one. And I don't know if that's how it's going to be every week yeah. or if they'll take, you know, if Rampage will be taped on weeks that there aren't uh, anything big. So where are you on CM Punk? You know, I really honestly, because I feel like you were really into the independence when I first met you in 2004. Um, I had heard the name CM Punk. I had seen it online. Um, I had seen some of his stuff. Did not that, did not know a whole lot about him. And I'll be honest. And I and I was talking with some Stride fans um, at our show on Saturday night. And I've never been a huge CM Punk fan. Um, I, you know, the Summer of Punk 2011. I loved that story and, and how they put all that together. Um, I thought the Straight Edge Society. I enjoyed that too. So I, I, I don't, I don't hate Punk. I, I don't dislike him. He's just one of those guys that you know. There's a lot of guys that I just they don't resonate. Whatever the case may be. So I'm not a a Punk hater, but I'm also not a Punk um, cheerleader. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I liked Punk back in his indie days in IWA Mid South, in Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, I. It's interesting because now you have all these promotions working together. And back in 2002, 2003, when Punk was working TNA and uh, Ring of Honor at the same time. And in Ring of Honor, he was feuding with Raven. And TNA, he was aligned with Raven. And so that's like, you know, breaking the the curtain of kayfabe, I guess, because it's like, wait, how, you know, how do you hate one person in Nashville and then or like one person in Nashville, but hate them in Philadelphia. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know, that any scene that we as kids growing up watching the territories, you didn't see the same people. You know, guys would move around and you'd have to read about them in magazines. So you wouldn't see, um, see them in different places at the same time. But 
I, I, I enjoy punk. I, you know, I have to say that over the last seven years, I haven't necessarily missed him uh, to a degree that, you know, if he came back, great, but if not, okay, life goes on. I, I think he has a tendency to kind of believe, believe his own hype at times. And, and there, you know, you talk about summer punk, I can understand where his frustration where, you know, he wins the title and then leaves. And that should have been played out over probably until at least survivor series. Uh But he comes back, I think it's like two or three weeks later after Cena wins the title from Rey Mysterio, the new title. Yeah. And then the whole storyline culminates and ends in a sledgehammer on a pole, on a, a sledgehammer ladder match between Triple H and Kevin Nash. So, yeah. you know, and he lost it, and Punk had lost the title to Alberto Del Rio. Right. So, I, I can understand his frustration with that storyline not being the greatest, but and I can understand also with the medical issues he was facing toward, you know, when he walked out of WWE. Um, I think he needed to get away. I think he needed time off and needed. And, you know, there's a whole other episode we could do just surrounding that whole aspect of the business. Sure. But I think, I think Punk is one of the few guys that can come in and be slotted into any position automatically. And, and, and the fans are going to buy into it. I don't think you, you know, if, if you put him in a main event slot, they're going into it. If you put him at the bottom and have him come in and say, I got to work my way up. I think fans would buy into his wanting to prove that he is the best, that he can beat anybody. So I think, um, you know, and for a company like AEW that's only been around for a couple of years, I think it's a major get. You know, I, I would say it's probably the biggest, he's probably the biggest free agent that was out there. Do you think, though, that being gone for seven, I mean, and obviously I'm not going to deny the fact that I, I do think that Friday night is probably the moment of the year uh, for 2021. Uh, Who knows? There's still several months left, but I I think that that was a significant enough. There was enough hype around it. And, you know, I don't think anybody's going to undersell or, you know, about the pop that happened that night and what it meant to the world of professional wrestling. And it was a big, big get for AEW. Being gone though for seven years, and I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's wrestled since he's been gone. Right? He, I know he did some of the MMA stuff, and he's just kind of been laying low. But I don't know that he's been in an actual ring and actually worked, has he? There was one. I don't remember what the promotion was, but he did a run in uh, as a masked guy, uh-huh. and, and I, I, you know, it was probably three, four years ago now. Um, I have no idea what time over the last two years so time has just stopped and right everything. but that to my knowledge that is the last time that he was in a wrestling ring and then you bring up his mma stuff which you know his mma career i would say more of a joke than a high point you know it's not like he you know kicked ass in mma and now he's like come back to wrestling it's like yeah his mma career was pretty much done so yeah. okay so i'm gonna put punk on the side for just a second okay. Then we we fast forward to you know and obviously uh, I'm on Twitter Friday night and you know I don't I don't have cable so I'm watching little nuggets of the punk speech or the promo and 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 whatnot and then the the speculation immediately starts then the the joke memes of you know Vince McMahon calling the Undertaker back and you know you get all this stuff 
people were saying the only thing that can can even be close to this, not Trump it necessarily, but be close to it, is bringing back Becky is Williams. Donald Trump? Yeah, bring, bringing <laughs> I actually that probably would have, <laughs> um, but bringing in either Becky Lynch or Brock Lesnar, and lo and behold, Saturday night at SummerSlam, we get both. And and this is where I kind of want to talk about the returns themselves because Becky Lynch is really, uh, you know, she left due to being pregnant about 14 months ago. And so coming back, we, we knew that eventually she was going to come back. There's been a lot of speculation on when that was going to be. And then, of course, Brock Lesnar left after, I believe, WrestleMania last year and really hadn't seen much of him or heard, you know, I guess some pictures surfaced of him a few months ago with the man bun and, and kind of that new look. But there was even buzz that, that uh, Brock Lesnar would show up. And I can't remember if it was you or somebody else texted me on Friday and said, what if it's Brock um, that's coming to AEW? And I, I never thought that, but now both Becky and Brock show up Saturday night. Um, you know, CM Punk in his promo mentions Darby Allen, who is not a champion of any kind right now, is, has been the TNT champion, but is teaming with Sting mostly. Um, there was another Tech return that AEW yeah. brought in that you know, and no I expected to come back to wrestling. Yeah, and I want to talk more about that and some of the maybe some of the hypocrisy that I've seen okay. with Sting in, in a few minutes. But with Becky Lynch, she interrupts the women's championship match, and 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 again, you know, do you think that everything that happened at SummerSlam with Lesnar and Becky were? reaction to punk or were these things already in the works i don't think i don't know if they were reactions to punk the becky situation i think is more because they're you know and again you and i have no actually we do have some contacts in the business but right. not to any extent right. that I actually talk to them about what's going on behind the scenes but so everything that you talk about is stuff we see online so i right. just want to make that Clarification to let people know that I'm probably going to talk out of my ass for a little bit here. Um, there are reports that for the last week, WWE knew that the Bianca Belair Sasha Banks match would not happen as advertised. Okay. And, and I think that is, if that is true, promoting that match all the way up to the moment uh, is a bad, bad faith uh, deal on WWE's part. So I don't think Becky coming in was a re reaction to Punk. I think it was a reaction to Sasha not being available and trying to just create a moment for the fans in attendance. Mm -hmm. You know, irregardless of what's happening outside the company, it's more for the fans watching there like, okay, they're not getting the match that they expected. How can we kind of make it better? Right. I agree so, with that. I, you know, I let's talk about that though because there's a lot of you know, people love Becky Lynch, and I think that she's probably one of the only people you could have done this with where not everybody is going to implode because, yeah. you know, the memes of, of Brock Lesnar destroying Kofi Kingston in like eight or ten seconds for the championship back yeah. on the debut of SmackDown on Fox surfaced. And it's almost a similar thing. But I felt like with this, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm playing WWE apologist, but Becky Lynch cheap-shotted Bianca. 
and got the best of her. And I've heard Bruce Pritchard and, and I, I believe a couple of other podcasters with, that do the Conrad podcast who have said, if you're going to have somebody lose like that, lose in quick fashion, make it look like it was a fluke. Hey, I was blindsided. I was cheap shotted, whatever the case may be, um, and do it quick and, and get the victory. I kind of buy into that, you know, and I'm not going to complain until I know what's going to happen next. And we won't know what's next now until Friday night on SmackDown. So that's the other thing with wrestling, I think, is a lot of times we want everything now and we don't want to wait and see what, you know, you talked about the, the CM Punk, uh, John Cena payoff from 2011 and how, it, how quickly it ended. You suggested going to Survivor Series. They went to SummerSlam. They cut it two months short. Yeah. Could you imagine if they would have gone, you know, fans would have been like, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. Why isn't Punk fat? You know? So I think we as fans also, and I say collectively, I mean, I, I feel like I'm patient, but I think today's, you know, especially because of social media and because we get everything, you know, we stream a, a show, uh, 12 episodes in, you know, 12 hours, we want it now and we don't want to wait for the payoffs anymore. And so when we get those big moments like Punk coming in or Becky or, or Brock, they're more special, I think. But the bottom line is, is fans just aren't patient anymore. Well, and I think, you know, in regards to the Becky situation too, you have, you know, main event, WrestleMania night one, Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. Yeah. Incredible match, a lot of drama. Yeah. You know, since that moment, I had to look it up because the only pay-per-view match Bianca Belair has had since then, if I looked correctly, was, I believe, I can't remember if it was Money in the Bank or which pay-per-view was, was against Bailey. Uh So Bianca has not had a pay-per-view match other than that. She's not really had a lengthy feud for the title. And so... You know, I feel like her, and I mean, I thought even putting her in there with Bianca Belair originally for SummerSlam was too soon because it was like almost going back to the well right after you just, you know, got a bucket of water. And so I think the problem is Bianca never had, never didn't have a memorable title run. And then Becky coming back after 14 months off, automatically getting the title shot, which, you know, we'll delve in more into here in a few minutes. And then winning the title, it's like, yes, you're right. You know, if you do a cheap shot, Bianca can say, hey, I, I wasn't prepared. But she was facing, you know, face-to-face. It wasn't like Becky attacked her from behind. Right. She did suck her in with a, you know, a friendly handshake and hit one move. And I, I think that's my bigger issue it with wrestling in general, too, is, you know, because how many times have we seen, if she'd been, if it had been a normal match, she would have <laughs> yeah. traded, you know, finishers galore. But yet one pump handle slam, yeah. Tenzer, like, I think, and that's, I guess, my logical brain in wrestling right now. It's like, right. you know, why is it so easy to pin some people and at times and other times not? And I think it's just, I think it's, young, you know, they did to Bianca Belair kind of what they did to Kofi with right. losing that quickly. And I know I've seen some things about, you. I will say, just look at Kofi and Bianca. Right. You know, and you can draw your own conclusions. Sure. I don't think that has anything to do with it, but I think it's more of I think I think it would have been better had they put on, you know, a 10, 15 minute match and 
and Bianca can say, I wasn't prepared for Becky. I wasn't, you know, she's been gone for 14 months. I haven't had a chance to watch her. See, you know, Becky came back with some new moves or something. Yeah. I just think the way they did it was very, uh, just very cheap. And you get the, you get the return pop and then you get the special pop, but you don't get anything in between. It's just, I think, and I think you, you kind of piss the fans off because Bianca, they like Bianca too. You know, it wasn't if Bianca was a heel and you did it, kind of, you know, go back to SummerSlam, was it 88, 89 with Honky Talk Man, 87? Yeah. 88. 88. 88. You know, when Ultimate Warrior was the surprise replacement for Bruce Beefcake and Ken's mm-hmm. Honky Talk in 30 seconds, that yeah. works because Honky's the heel that everybody wants to see get beat. Right, right. Bianca's a face that people want to cheer and you do her dirty, so. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like there could have been a, a, a better way to do that. And again, we don't know the inside yeah. story. Uh, you know, maybe Becky Lynch is restricted on how much time she can wrestle. But then again, why are we putting her in there and yeah. putting the championship on her if that's the case? So there, there's. I'm sure more will come out of this uh, in the coming days on on social media, and all the quote unquote wrestling journalists will will get the scoop for us. But. Uh, I'm actually watching, I've watched up until, I'm at actually the main event of SummerSlam with uh, Brock Lesnar, I'm sorry, with uh, Daniel, yeah, not Daniel Bryan, <laughs> but, uh, John Cena and Roman Reigns. And uh, uh, so we, I know how it ends, of course, with, with um, Brock Lesnar making his return as well. Now, I haven't watched it all, obviously, as I mentioned. I don't think they showed him F5-ing John Cena on the air. Is that right? No, I think that was after the show went off the air. Brock Lesnar just destroyed Cena for like a minute. So, so did did he? Did his appearance have an outcome on the on the final of the match? No, it was after the match was over. Okay, now, real, real quick. Yeah, uh, you said you've watched it. So John Cena has a new T-shirt. Uh, yeah, it has a drawn kind of uh, a Super Mario three Mario with a raccoon tail. I think. Yeah. Logo. But just says John Cena. Super Cena was right there. They could have played off of all the, you know, Twitter memes. Uh, LOL Cena wins Super Cena. But again, marketing team, come on. Well, and it's funny that you bring that up because some people, I guess, were were pissing uh, uh, and moaning about. I guess that's an old CM Punk design shirt uh, design as well. But know. my thought is is. The CM Punk design is a ripoff of Mario. You know what I mean? It's, they're yeah. all ripoffs, so it's just a ripoff of a ripoff. Um, but what do you think, Brock, you know, Brock Lesnar coming back in? I thought if he was going to come in, I would have, from a match perspective, I would have rather seen him attack or be a part of the uh, Bobby Lashley-Goldberg match because I think Lashley and, and Brock, I think Lashley needs a big-time opponent and i think that uh brock lesnar that would be great but from a story perspective and paul Heyman and whatnot i understand why he came out there and confronted roman reigns so where do you think this is going and and you know are we going to get brock i obviously i don't think we ever had brock full-time since he came back in 2012 but will we see him a, a little bit more consistently do you think uh, I don't know if it will be consistent, but, and I, you know, to me, and again, not knowing where the story's going, so I could be getting ahead of myself. I would have rather, I, you know, the story is right there with Heyman being the uh, advocate for 
or the special counsel for uh, Roman Reigns, and he was the advocate for Brock Lesnar. So you kind of have these two guys who are you know, using the same mouthpiece. Yeah. And so, you know, eventually they would have to face each other. Right. But, you know, and maybe it's the nostalgia factor here. I would like to see a new Dangerous Alliance, you know, have, I mean, because if you had Brock and Roman and you give them a couple of other solid guys and then just have them, you know, tear through everybody for, you know, a year or up till Mania and then build up a super, you know, don't bring back John Cena, but bring, try to create the next John Cena, the new John Cena. Of who can tackle, take down the, the family. But um, I, you know, I, I, I would be surprised if we get Brock versus Reigns before Survivor Series, you know, and, and that's me using the big four template, right. you know, and, and, and also not having any clue what type of deal Brock Lesnar is on and how many dates he has and, and anything like that. But I just, uh, you know, and I'm glad that he waited until the end. You know, he didn't show up during the match to cause a distraction or yeah, whatnot. But it just, uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see where I'm curious to see where the story goes. And you know, I will say, with Brock and with Punk on Friday, both guys look to be rejuvenated. They look yeah. happy to be in the ring, which yeah. wasn't always the case. Well, and if so, and not to be dismissive to Becky Lynch, but I think we both agree, we both know at least, Becky Lynch was a, a full-time superstar, yeah. got pregnant, went on maternity leave, and is back, and seemingly is going to be under a, a deal. She's the champion now. So the two people we don't really know contractual statuses is, is CM Punk and, and Brock Lesnar. Do you know, I mean, I, I was Punk talking a little bit. Yeah. Punk has said that, I believe in the media scrum after yeah. Rampage. page, he and Tony Khan agreed, said that it's not a short-term deal and it's not a part-time deal. So, Punk is going to be there. But is uh, is he going to be wrestling all those? You know what I mean? Like, we've got Paul White. We've got Mark Henry. Yeah. Is well, they're commentators. They're brought in as commentators. Right. So, I believe, right, I believe Punk is supposed to be a wrestler. So, I would expect him not, you know, not every show. And, again, I think AEW does a fairly decent job of rotating people in and out. Mm -hmm. uh, on their shows, um, but I would say, say at least once a month, maybe you will see him on Dynamite or Rampage. So, do you think that you know? Because I guess what I'm getting at is is what's the difference when Punk shows up versus when you know? Well, I won't go there. I won't. I won't make. I won't make that analogy. But with Punk being back and, and being a part of of the fold. You know, we, we mentioned that Darby Allen is going to be his first opponent. What do, what do you think should happen with Punk being brought in? Because he is in his 40s. He hasn't wrestled in seven years. Does he become a contender for the championship? Does he come in and, and, and put guys over? And, and I guess you can put guys over without losing to them as well, but what do you think happens with Punk and, and his relationship with AEW? Well, I find it interesting that you're kind of, um, you know, suggesting that guys in their 40s who aren't full-time wrestlers winning championships isn't necessarily a good thing. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. It's your former tag team champion. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I'm, it's interesting because kind of like what I was saying about Becky and Bianca earlier, 
Darby Allen is a hot young baby face in AEW. AEW. Um, I don't know if he likes root beer or not, but <laughs> he might. He, he might. Um, you know, so Punk facing him off the bat, you know, you would think you would go with a heel because you figure Punk's going to come in as a face. Right. This crowd's going to make him one anyway. So, um, you know, I and obviously I don't think. And here's the di- you know the dilemma too. I don't think Punk should lose his first match because he's coming in as a big right. Man. But he's also coming in after a seven-year layoff. He could easily lose and be like, and that's where you could do a storyline of like, hey, I've been gone for seven years. These new, you know, new kids are, are tougher than I expected, and I gotta, you know, work out the the ring rust and 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 you can build a story there if if you if you know if they decided to, which I actually think would make a better storyline than having Punk come in and start winning every, you know. And that's and I feel like that's almost like the double-edged sword that AEW faces is because do you have him beat you know he like you said he's starting off with one of the hottest prospects in the company right now um so if he beats Darby Allen then it's like oh yeah just like WWE they're bringing in the old guys and then they're beating them or he loses and then it's like well that was stupid they're paying him x amount and they're going to just have him come out here and, and lose so and that's kind of where I was getting at with Sting is, you know, he's 3-0, and but only in tag, you know, he's only been in tag team matches. So, and that's why I said you can get in there with someone and, you know, I guess using the rub of, of him teaming with Darby Allen has helped Darby Allen. Maybe, I don't know, what, you know, was Darby Allen, he seemed pretty relevant before Sting came in. I don't know if being with Sting has helped him or not. What do you think? Uh, I would actually say it's probably helped Sting. Yeah, more maybe more so than it helped Darby because uh, it gave Sting a bit of not that Sting needed credibility with the long term fans, but newer fans who may not know who Sting was. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, you know, putting him with Darby, one they have a good look together. You know, which is always a, a um, something that a tag team or a, a faction needs is a solid look together. You know, something yeah. that gels. Yeah. Um, but so I don't know, you know, and we've discussed my memory for modern day wrestling is terrible. Like, don't don't ask me what Darby Allen was doing in the first few months of AEW because I have no idea. Um, but I think it works. But I think it also, you know, I think it gave Sting something to do where he doesn't have to wrestle full time. He can just kind of second. Darby and still be on the shows. Sure. And, you know, the main thing, it keeps him out of the title picture where, you know, when he went to Impact, granted, that was 15 years ago. He was younger. He immediately, I don't know if it was immediately, but, you know, he became Impact World Champion. He was in that type of, uh, when he went, eventually came to WWE, he was slotted in right with Triple H, um, which no one wanted. You know, instead of getting the dream match that everybody wanted with Undertaker, Right. Uh, you know, so now I think, and, and, you know, when he came into AEW, everyone pretty much, what I remember was being like, oh, he's not going to wrestle. He can't wrestle. He's not going to, you know, he's just going to be there to be a name to kind of get the lapsed wrestling fans to be like, oh, there's Sting. I know that guy. Let me see what this promotion's about. And he's actually done a lot more than I think a lot of people expect. So, 
I think that's the other factor too, is whenever you bring someone in, you need to know what your plan, you know, what the plans are. How are you going to use them properly? And, you know, we joked over the last 15, 16 years about impact, where they just bring all these guys in, push them straight to the top, and then have nothing to do with them once that title program is over. And they just kind of linger and languish in mediocrity because there is no focused storyline. And that's, that's another thing where I think the AEW has been good at having long-term planning seemingly mm-hmm. there, whereas, you know, WWE, things change, it seems like week to week, with no focus. Well, and I want to ask you, and you may not know the answer to this, but the impact question or the impact uh, situation right now. Uh, Christian Cage, what was it, 20, 2005, 2006, he went to impact won the championship, went back to the WWE, won the world title there a couple times, seemingly kind of faded away. I thought he had retired. Apparently he had never really retired. Showed up at the Royal Rumble this year. I thought Edge and Christian are going to reunite. This is good. Then he shows up at, at AEW like we were talking about earlier. And now he has, has won the Impact Championship again. Um, because it, it happened on an AEW show, even though it was the Impact Championship, who's making the calls on these things? Do you know? Is, that a, uh, is this an AEW storyline or is this a – because I think Christian is still feuding with Kenny Omega now for the AEW title too, right? They'll be fighting at the all-out pay-per-view for yeah. the AEW title. Uh, I would believe – I would say that if it's Impact's title, then – the impact office would be making that decision. Um, and they're probably, you know, AEW guys have shown up in impact a, a handful of times. Not, I, I think the only regular crossover are the good brothers appearing on both programs. Uh-huh. Uh, and Kenny Omega has showed up in interview segments uh, on impact. And, um, so I would say, you know, and I, I don't know if they just put the title on Christian. Well, I think I would say, you know, if my speculation is they put it on Christian to build hype for the AEW match because now you're playing off of Kenny Omega already losing to him once and Christian saying, I got your number, you know, I beat you before, I can beat you again. Whereas if Kenny had beaten Christian, then people would be like, well, he's already beating him. You know, again, this is my problem with WWE booking is, by the time you get to the pay-per-view match, they've already fought every week leading up to that match and traded wins and losses. So it's like, who cares what happens on the pay-per-view? Whereas now, and I, you know, I don't think, especially with Punk now coming in and the pay-per-view being in Chicago, I don't think Kenny Omega versus Christian will be the main event of All Out. And, mm. and I, I, you know, to me personally, it's a match that because they had the Impact title match, even though it shows Christian to beat Omega, to me, it doesn't really add anything because I don't feel like in storyline, Omega needs to lose the AEW title now. And that's, you know, the bigger issue, I think, with wrestling storytelling is there are times you feel like a title should change hands and other times where you're just like, okay, this is a title match because you have a good show. But Right. No. So, and I, I said I was going to talk about some of the, that I've noticed with hypocrisy and I, I okay. you know, I'm probably just as guilty of this, but 
I've got to believe, and I guess I'm making a moot point because it didn't happen, but if John Cena would have won the championship at SummerSlam, I feel like there would have been a lot of criticism of that. And I don't know if that's just because of the whole Ric Flair 16 title win thing, or if it's because he's a part-timer, or if it's I, – I, I guess – it really comes down to whether or not they're part-timers versus their age, because nobody seems to have a problem with Christian being the impact champion right now. And I don't think anybody would, would have an issue if punk went in there and beat Kenny Omega next week and became the AEW champion. But if Goldberg or Cena would have won, it's because they're part-time, I guess. Is, is that the issue? Well, well, and this is, you know, when I talked to you earlier, when we were discussing this topic, this is my, my problem with everything that happened over this weekend. Again, Becky Lynch comes back after a year, a little over a year off, wins the title. Goldberg comes back from not being seen since WrestleMania, gets immediately put into the title match with Bobby Lashley. Cena comes back after 500 days, gets the title match with Roman Reigns. Brock comes back, looks to appear to be the next challenger for Reigns. Sure. CM Punk comes back, and his first match is with a guy who does not have a title. So it's, to me, it's WWE bringing in all these guys, you know, whenever they bring somebody in and automatically give them a title match. You know, you and I joke about Cape Championship Wrestling down in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. You can find them on Twitter at CC Wrestling, I think, or GC Wrestling or something, whatever. Look up Cape Championship on Twitter, you'll find it. But, you know, they bring in all these guys from Impact or Ring of Honor or, you know, bigger indie names, and they've had them facing their world champion or their heavyweight champion. Yeah. And it's like, to me, that devalues the rest of your roster because it's saying that nobody who's been there fighting and winning matches is on the same level as your champion. But this other guy who, you know, wrestled for another promotion or hasn't wrestled because, but because he was a name can come in and automatically get a title shot. So that's my biggest issue with with bringing guys in. I would rather, if you're going to bring guys in, you know, I would rather see Johnson come in and wrestle someone up and coming to kind of help give them a rub or put them over. You know, and that, I mean, that's what Mick Foley was doing after he retired and when started coming back. And you can't just bring a guy in and have him lose all the time if you're bringing him in because then, well, then everybody's just beating a washed up has been. Right. But, so you have to know which fuse to put them over, which ones do they lose. But I, I think the bigger thing is just, yeah, how, how they're being used or how people are being rushed into title matches. Well, and I think that that's a sign, too, that of, of a bigger issue that WWE has, and we've talked about this for years, is they just don't seem to be building that next superstar. Yeah. And that's, it took forever for Bobby Lashley, I think. I think Bobby Lashley is pretty, pretty uh, amazing in terms of, of his look. You know, he, he's... Again, he's one of those guys that is deceptively, you know, he's in his mid-40s, but he looks amazing. But it took for how many years for him to, even when he came back to the WWE, it looked like they were going to jack him around. And they finally, you know, put the belt on him and, and have made him a dominant guy. But, you know, I, I, I got to think that after seeing him put the full Nelson on, on Goldberg's kid, that the issue with Goldberg's not necessarily over yet. Yeah. And that, you know, to anybody who missed out on Lashley and Impact, 
I would say, you know, take a month, subscribe to Impact Plus, and go back and watch his feuds with Drew McIntyre. And watch when he was Impact World Champion. Because that, that guy that was in Impact was not the guy that was in WWE for the first year or so of coming back. Because, yeah. you know, the characters, he kind of went back to what he was previous and previous when he was in WWE. Um, and I, and I, you know, I was right there. I was like, this guy should be a champion way sooner than he was. And he is, he is much more, uh, person has more personality than he was showing at the time. And, and yeah, it's just one of those things where you're like, this guy should have been a bigger star at the time. And you talk about uh, WWE not being able to build a star, you know, you look at what's going on with NXT right now where, they're you know supposedly changing what NXT is, and they want to focus more on guys that aren't indie stars and guys that are coming up, or guys and gals, I should say. Um, but you know NXT has been around for eight nine years. You know you go back to FCW before that, and how many stars have they built out of that? You know is there something that that WWE is doing wrong per se to not be able to to um, create and mold a star or is it just what WWE is looking for in a star is different than what the fans want. Right. And that's, that's the other thing too. I think the, the stark difference between AEW and WWE is AEW is a wrestling company. Hmm. WWE is a sports entertainment company. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I, I didn't even have to say that. I think everybody gets that, but I think that there is value in both of those. I think fans get frustrated because they expect WWE to do what they want because we've been conditioned by the WWE for the last 15, 20 years since WCW has been out of businesses that they're here to give the fans what they want. And, and they listen to the fans, which they don't, they, they're listening to their stockholders, which I get it's a business. And that's Vince McMahon and company are there to make money. Just like Tony Khan, is there to make money, but he's found a different way to do it. And it's worked for him so far. The true test will be five years from now where both of these companies are, you know, is WWE under a new ownership is AEW surpassed WWE. You know, I'm excited for the, the fact that I do think AEW is, is chipping away at WWE and maybe, but again, WWE is making record profits still. So it's not like 1995 when they were coming in and taking the water coolers out of the building and laying off people. And, you know, you had Duke the Dumpster, Drossy, and, and T.L. Hopper running around. So I don't know that, that WWE will ever be in a position where they feel like they have to react the way they did in 96, 97, 98 when WCW was beating their asses. Well, and I mean – there's a whole other conversation here about, you know, is Vince McMahon the wrestling genius that everyone thought he was in the early 2000s after surviving the Monday Night War? Uh -huh. Or was he just fortunate enough to have the vision to take the territory system global with the emergence of cable television and, you know, then be thankful that his competition his main competition in WCW was a corporate entity after Turner sold to AOL who didn't want anything to do with wrestling. And so, you know, he didn't really beat WCW. WCW kind of lost 
by default. And if it hadn't been for ECW and, you know, Russo coming in, you know, would the WWE that we know today, I think would be vastly different than what we would have had there not been that competition and that need to change. Um, and now you're sitting, you know, you're at, a, like you said, you're a company that's a billion dollar company has record deals in place. You don't need to, you know, if the ratings crash, Hey, you still get your money. You still get your product out there. And now with, you know, Peacock owning the uh, WWE network, you know, it, you don't, you don't have to take the risk that you would otherwise, you know, the risk that maybe AEW has to take to try to cultivate and, you know, to, you know, flip side of that coin is AEW is hot right now. What are you going to do when that fan base, which I would say, you know, I wonder how much of AEW's fan base is the younger crowd as opposed to older diehard wrestling fans. Because I know a lot of older fans don't like, you know, the young bucks. They don't like Orange Cassidy because they don't like the um, spot monkey or the, you know, the less traditional wrestling aspect of some of the the aspects of AEW. So what do you, what's going to happen when the fans potentially age out of AEW being cool? You know, that's what we're going to look at. Or, you know, even if, you know, even when the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody and uh, all your um, backstage, you know, your core group of investors, I guess, for lack of a better term, what happens if they, when they're done with, with wrestling? Do they stay on? Do they move, you know, move on? Time will tell in that regard. But I, I think that's something that, you know, it's five to ten years away at the earliest. Well, and as we kind of wrap up, I, I want to end with this. You, you talked about impact earlier and, and how we've joked and, and it seems to be. And, and I guess the real AEW haters do this too, but... I feel like AEW gets more of a pass with it. Looking at the roster, and I'm actually on the AEW roster page now, with the, the talent, the amount of talent that is there that are former WWE superstars, and I, and I get it. Just because somebody leaves, and I think we talked about this a few weeks ago when, when we did a podcast together, you know, you know, was Miro supposed to never wrestle on the main stage again? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have a problem with, with these guys going back and forth. And I wonder one day, will somebody make a big jump from AEW to WWE? AEW kind of seems to be like this utopia where everybody goes to, you know, be heard and, and do their creative and, and do their thing. But, you know, Big Show and Mark Henry, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, you know, four uh, Taz, five out of the six announcers were voices in other companies, including WWE, including Impact Wrestling. So does it hurt? I don't think it does, but should AEW be doing anything different to break some of that WWE light stigma? Or are they doing enough now with the Orange Cassidy's and the Adam Pages uh, and the Britt Bakers of the world to break that stigma, so to speak. I think that's the main key. Because like I said, with Impact, you would have them bring in an XW, you know, you go back to when Kurt Angle jumped from, you know, when he left WWE and signed with Impact or TNA. 
Samoa Joe was on like a 15, 16 month winning streak, undefeated. Kurt Angle immediately comes in and beats Samoa Joe. Uh-huh. When Christian came in, he you know almost immediately became champion. And you 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 know they had AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, these core guys who had been you know busting their ass for a year building this company, and they all get demoted. And you know you put you slot in the XWWE guy ahead of them because oh they're XWWE people mm. know who they are. Yeah. Whereas like I said, AW has done a good job of when they bring in. An ex, a guy who is, you know, just came from WWE or gal, they don't immediately put them into this thing. You know, Miro, I think a lot of people were uh, actually kind of displeased with the way Miro came in as uh, Kip Sabian's best friend or the best man for his wedding. And it took, you know, a good six months for Miro to become God's favorite champion as he is mm-hmm. now. And, right. and I think that's the thing is if you bring him in and again, have a plan in place for what you're going to do with them, integrate them into a storyline and then let them grow organically and see if the fans take to them or, and I think the other thing is WWE is so produced and AEW seems to be more lax. Yeah. It even comes from, you know, when I was watching SummerSlam, it's the, the ring, the ring entrances, you know, everybody hits their mark and they hit their cue and they do their pose and they do it. And it's, you know, someone, I remember when the pandemic first started and there was no audience, uh, even before Thunderdome and the wrestlers were still acting like there was a crowd to play to and they would do the exact same movements. And it's like, you know, that I think it's just, it creates a very sterile product because it just seems so manufactured. Whereas AW has more, I think leeway and more, even though, you know, guys are going to hit their signature moves. It's not necessarily the same order or, I don't know, there's just something different about a w, an AEW match than a WWE match right? that you can pretty much call, you know, and you know exactly when WWE is going to go to commercial because they're going to fight to the outside and someone's going to go down. You know, it's, so I think that's the bigger issue. AEW just seems more, in a sense, I'm going to say the word again, organic. Yeah. I was going to say they're 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 more organic, and I I agree with that. I think that's a fair statement uh, to say. And obviously, you know, I I don't and I don't want either company to buy the other one or put the other one out of business or anything like that. I I think that sometimes I do think there is too much wrestling on TV or on the internet to consume and and try to keep up with and and do podcasts and and whatnot, but. I like having that variety. I like having that option and, and, you know, telling yourself that you don't have to watch and consume it all is, is, is satisfying as well. So Chad, anything else you want to add before we wrap up this week's show? Yeah. And I, I mean, just piggybacking off of that, there is so much wrestling out there that, you know, I, I know you've said this on Twitter a lot. If you don't like one thing or one company or whatever, don't watch something else. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much out there that you can be, watching so don't and and also don't hate watch something just so you can hate on it you know yeah yeah you know? it's like i mean for me personally i've gotten to the point where raw and smackdown are not watchable programs so i'll watch the pay-per-view so that i can keep up with wwe and i'll read the results but i'm not gonna waste three hours on monday two hours on friday to watch a show that 
doesn't interest me. But, you know, and you and I will go back and forth and, and text messages and, and, and on Twitter just in a joking manner just because we're you know, playing off each other. But if you don't like something, and this goes for, you know, all realms of entertainment and whatnot, it's like there's so much content out there today that surely you can find something you yeah. like and enjoy it and spend time enjoying it more than, you know, uh, that's why I, you know, I'll throw in a plug again for Wrestling Pro Wrestling. It's not everybody's cup of tea. And, you know, the last show, I don't know if you ever got around to watching it, they had David Arquette come out dressed up like Bob Ross, or he was named Rob Boss, and he painted a happy little tree in the ring and then turned and said, you know, what I paint comes to life. And then all of a sudden a demented tree came out from backstage and attacked a guy. You know, it's, it, it's bizarre and it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I enjoy it. So that's where I'm going to watch. And I'm going to watch AEW because... I enjoy it. I enjoy AEW's product. WWE, like I said, I'll watch the pay-per-views and get my fill and then question why they're doing some of the decisions they're doing, but I'm not going to waste, you know, I'm not going to spend time watching something I don't like. The same way, you know, uh, Nick Gage was on AEW recently. Hey, as a one-time appearance, fine. Do I want to see Nick Gage every week? No. But right. I know that there are fans that do. So. Yeah. They have their options so they, they can go and watch Nick Gage. But, you know, we're all different. And if we all have to like the same thing and agree, then what's the point? So, and we can't have lively discussions like this one. Yep. Well said. Very well said. And I thank you for joining me this week on the show. And, friends, I encourage you to weigh in. Let us know what you think. Uh, follow us on Twitter at My123Cents. I am at Kevin Huntsberger, and Chad is at Chad Smart. So, Three easy Twitter handles to find, and Chad and I usually, at least once a day, are going back and forth <laughs> at each other over something stupid. So be sure to uh, come by and, and check out that car wreck. Jason Skull got drug into it today, unfortunately <laughs> for him. So I'm sure he doesn't mind me. So Chad, as always, thank you for being a part of the show. And friends, thank you for listening, and we'll talk again soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery